The devil does look for people and opportunities. But you know what? He can't touch us if our focus is on him. He can't touch us. If we have humbled ourselves before the Lord and we are crying out to him and we are focused on him, he can't touch us. My eyes are going to be on the Lord. Not on what the devil's doing. Because the Lord said in 1 John that we're here to do what? Destroy the works of the enemy. Listen, there is a shift that has already happened. It's not coming, it's already happened. This shift is where we will start walking in the room and the devils will start trembling. That's the shift that is coming to the church, but not to the whole church, to a remnant company of people that are undone for him, where he is our Lord, he is our Saviour, he is everything to us. And God is looking for a bunch of people that are undone for him, that we have died to self and we live for him. This is what's coming to a body of people. And this is what I want to bring to you today. I have prayed, I have fasted, I have gone before the Lord. And I'm not allowed to bring the whole thing. I'm going to just bring in a big, big circle what is coming to the church, what is coming to us. It's a remnant company of people because God always has a remnant. Remember Elijah when he was having his pity party? Lord, is it only me? No, Elijah, I've got 7,000 just like you who haven't bowed their knees. God has a body of people. Just as the, the, the devil has his man, God will have his people. His people. We're that, 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 that arrow in that, uh, you know, when it talks about in Isaiah, but we're, we're that hidden arrow, and the Lord is about to pull out some hidden arrows. That's you and me. It's not going to be people with a reputation because we haven't got a reputation. Have we? The only reputation I've got is in heaven. Because God is going to be watching a body of people run with what his plans and his purposes have been all about. Because when we roll our, all of ourselves onto him, he will then do the most amazing thing among us. Like he said to Joshua, Joshua, consecrate the people. Set yourselves apart for I'm about to do something amazing among you. 2020 that is just on the brink means double war. There is war coming. And that war will be in Israel. It will be over Israel. But there's been a battle over your lives. But what has the Lord done with my fingers and my arm? He has has prepared us for battle and for war. And do you know what? We don't lose. We will see and usher in the second coming of the Lord. Most of us who are undone for him. Are you undone for him? Because folks, there's a new new church age about to happen. And just like in the book of Revelation where it talks about the seven churches... And this is what I want to talk about, is the seven churches in the book of Revelation. But after chapter 4, there's no more mention of a church. There's always a mention of a people. This is it. And I want to unpick for you some of what the Lord is showing me. And I'm not going to say this is going to break out in 2020. I'm saying it's already broken out. It's already broken out. We don't have to wait All we need is Holy Spirit 
You are always with us. You have never left us. Now come and set us on fire so that people can watch us burn. That's what John Wesley said. What's your secret? The Lord sets me on fire and the people watch me burn. I want to burn for Jesus. I want to burn with a passion. I want to burn with everything that he has and the whole of heaven will back us up. God is releasing things in heaven for our age that he's never released on the church before. Never. Never. You're about to do something and you don't even know what it is because he has never, well, we have never been this way before. There is some, we're going to just walk in. Oh, it is going to be incredible what is coming. You see, we talk about the Welsh revival. We talk about Azusa Street. We talk about the Hebridean revival. We talk about Brownsville. We talk about revivals. But we need reviving. And what is reviving? It's where you are resuscitating something that is dying or dead. And the church in the UK is dying and dead. The church in the West is dying and dead. But God is going to resuscitate a body of people. He is going to blow his breath through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and only through the Holy Spirit are we going to be able to get this done. We better know what's in the Spirit. We better be living out of the realm of the Spirit more than we live out of the realm of the physical. I'm telling you now, you're about to experience things like you've never experienced before. Because today I'm going to remove some blockages. Blockages out of your lives. Blockages not because of your fault, but because of what the enemy has done. What the enemy has clouded. He's put blankets, he puts he put veils, even over nations. But God is about to take the veil off a body of people. And they will have access like never before. So we've seen these revivals going throughout the world. But you know what? When was the last time your shadow, as you pass by a cripple, see them healed? When was the last time you walked into a supermarket and all the people fell down and cried out because the spirit of the fear was so heavy on you? This is coming. This is coming where we don't have to preach. But just like Paul says, I didn't come here with persuasive words, but with demonstrations of power and of might. Power of the Holy Spirit. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that he has done. He has bought us at such a high price. Such a high price. And that means that our lives are not our own. They're his. It's incredible. Are you happy? You know, we've re- I've, I've read every, I've, I've tried to read every book that I can possibly get to I'm, I'm up here. I've read about John G. Lake. I've read about William Branham. I've read about T.L. Osborne. I've read about the greats, Catherine Kuhlman and Alexandra Dowie and A.A. Allen and all these great, all these great men and women. I've read about them and I got so sucked in to what they had and what they carried. But they carried something that was meant for us. They touched on the power of the age to come. We're living in that age. We're living today in that age of what they touched on. And they didn't complete. You look at all these great men and women of God. 
like Jack Coe and Oral Roberts and all these, they all fell. In some form or another, they all fell. Like Oral Roberts, you can watch Oral Roberts when he, when, when they, they had the lions come up and there was a little boy about to come forward who was blind and you can see Oral Roberts just suddenly weep and weep and weep. And this is a great man of God. I love this man of God. And he wept. And then he just put his hand on the boy and he was instantly healed. But he never again went into public ministry. Because the Lord said to him, this is the last person, the last boy that you are going to heal. This is the last person that you are going to touch because you have made the ministry greater than you made me. And this is what's happened all the way through down the ages. All these great men and women of God. But I'm telling you now, God is going to raise up a body of people that are so undone that they keep him at the focus. They keep him as number one. They have laid on that altar and they don't get off it. Because we will live a crucified life. I have been crucified and I no longer live. If ministry becomes the main issue, then you will miss this. You will miss it if it's all about your ministry, your church. You, no, this has got to be about the kingdom. It's got to be about the kingdom. It cannot be anything else. And if you are about the kingdom and the, the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, then this is coming to you. This is coming to you. So we have got to keep, the, as Neville Johnson says, we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus. There's no other foundation that we can build upon. That's already established. That's the word. That's what the word says. So let's build upon that. Let's build upon that firm foundation, which is the Lord. See, my journey, when I studied all these things, I said to Heidi, Heidi, the Lord has told me, the first time I heard the audible voice of God was when I was in Uganda. And I heard, no, sorry, the second time I heard the audible voice of God. Like, it was like me sat here and I hear a voice boom in my ear. It was that. And I turned around and there was no one there. And this is the first time and Heidi was up playing the piano and I walked into the church for the first time in my life in that particular church, desperate for the things of God. And the Lord said to me, that's the woman you're going to marry. And I went, Lord, can I have a chat with you? <laughs> But four months later, we were married. We were married, and I wasn't looking for a wife. But I thank God that he brought us together. But then on this journey, you know, in 2003, when, when Heidi and I went to the Isle of Skye, and you know the story, God hit us. Why? Because we were desperate for him. We, were des- we couldn't sit in church anymore. If this was it, I want to leave. If this is church... Sat there with your three hymns and your 15-minute sermon, your three points to that sermon. I Give up. Yeah. Take me home, Lord. Because I've never been born for this. We have been born for greater things. We've been born to usher in the kingdom. And there is a king in that kingdom. And his name is Jesus. And just like Ginny said, we are going to, there, is, there is a divide coming. There is a divide where the church will fall away from the truth. They're already, it's already here. Folks, it's already here. Did you know what, what, what the Pope has just said? 
You can go on it and see what he said. He said evangelism is dead. You, should, you, you shouldn't go away and tell people the gospel. That's what he's saying. Look what he's going to plan to do in May. Look what he's going to do in May. Have a look. You do the study. Have a look what his plan is to do in May. It will shock you. If that person isn't the false prophet, I don't know who is. He is the false prophet, without a shadow of a doubt. He is going to usher and prepare a way for the Antichrist just to step on. He's already preparing it. He's preparing a body of people for this. Where they will just, because what the Pope says is, he says, we are all children of God. Which God are you? <laughs> Which God are you worshipping? You ain't, you, I, ain't a, I ain't a child of that God, I'll tell you that now. I'm a son of the living God, and his name is Jesus. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether they like it or not, there is only one way. And he is the only way. There is no other God that died for me. There is no other God. There's no other God whose blood has, has drenched me and dripped on me and washed me clean so I can be presented to the Father as holy, blameless, and above any reproach. There's no other God that can do that. So my journey was this with Heidi. When I heard the second time I heard the voice of God and I was standing in Uganda watching a man of God on the stage you know, and, and miracles were breaking out and, I, and the Lord turned around and he said, do you like what you're seeing? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, why aren't you doing it? <coughs> Excuse me. Why aren't you doing it? So within a year, I came back home. I told Heidi all about it. Within a year, I went to Kiev. Um, I then went back out with a whole team. We went and started going out to Uganda and all these places. You know, and we started carrying something that I'd never experienced in my life. I saw cancer fall off people's bodies. I saw the cripples walking. Heidi remembers that night when they carried this woman in who hadn't walked for how many years? 17 years. And the power of God made me jump off the stage. Not me, but with boldness like a roaring lion with teeth. With teeth. Boom, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Miracles started breaking out. And then suddenly in 2011, we stopped. Why? Because the Lord checked in our spirit. He said, ah, what are you loving this? Yes, Lord. Above me? Yes, Lord. Close it. So Heidi and I closed it. Literally overnight. We closed shop. We just... The Lord has not released us to go back into this yet. But it's coming, and it will break out here. It will break out here. Other people with other anointings can come in, and boom. But I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that wind. I'm waiting for that wind of the upper room. I'm waiting for that tongues of fire to be coming. And then I'm out. But I will tell people the gospel. Whoever wants to hear about the gospel, I'll tell them. Because that's different. That is different. We've got to be prepared in season and out of season. We've got to be prepared to give the gospel. And I'm telling you now, people like Ewan and Joshua and Faith, 
You know, they're going to give adults and children the gospel, but they'll do it with power that we have never seen before. This is coming to us. It is coming. Do you know what? I had a woman brought to me in Nepal, up in the hills, in a, place, a little place called Bharatnagar, where a lot of the Gurkhas come from. And I love the Gurkhas, you know, and I met a few of them. But they brought this, 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 this girl of about 12 years old who was horribly beaten, beaten to a pulp. She had broken bones. She was in so much pain. And they brought her. She had a heavy, heavy fever. I touched her and I could just feel her burning because of the, all the broken bones and stuff. And they said, will you pray for her? And it was in a football stadium. And, I, and all I did is said, Lord, just heal her. Just as simple as that. It wasn't like, oh, blah, 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 take you on, blah, 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 blah. And I found out that she was horribly beaten that night, the night before, by her father who was a drunk. Horribly beaten. And you could literally hear her bones snapping back into place. And in an instant, in, I'm telling you, in an instant, that's all it was, a three-second prayer, Lord, just heal her. That was it. And you could, doom, doom, doom. And the pain went out of her face. The sweat stopped running. Her temperature went back to normal. And she started praying and shouting and screaming and laughing out because she knew the Lord had touched her in a way that she had never been touched before. This is coming. All I was touching on and Heidi was touching on. And do you know what? Every person, Barry came out with us. Didn't you, Barry? It's in Uganda. Did everybody experience miracle? Everybody. Everybody that prayed in that prayer line experienced a move of God like never before. But my thing is a bit like, um, you know, somebody that Heidi and I listened to, where it says, you know, how can I go abroad when my own backyard is in such a mess? How can I go abroad when, when the UK is in such a mess? And Heidi and I, you know, we have been called here. My heart would have loved to have gone to another country. I'm an African man. I love Africa. I love Australia. You know, but you know what? God called us to start this. And we're here for the length of it. We're here for the, for the duration of it. But you know, I'm just going to talk to you now about the seven churches. You know what the, ch- the seven church ages? Does everybody know about the seven church ages? Right, you see the seven church ages from, um, you've got Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. But they're all church ages. So the first church age was Ephesus. It started in around about, well, the time Ephesus was built and all the rest, but the time when Paul's ministry was going on, he evangelized and the whole of the Ephesus got saved. This is when they came out and, you know, with Philippi and, you know, all the books were chucked on and a great revival was happening. And this church age went from Paul's time to about 170. Then we moved from Smyrna, which went to 312. And then 312, you have Constantine coming on the scene. And Constantine, in 325, I think it is, he came out with the deeds of the Nicolaity, which means control of the people, conquer the people. And this is when the church went into what we call the Dark Ages where the word of God was taken out, it was where the state took over the religion. This is where Jesus was saying when the birds of the air came into the biggest 
uh, tree in the garden and they take roost. The birds of the air was talking about the principalities and powers of darkness that came to rule in the church. And that's what the church went into the decline. It didn't incline. It made a lot of people very, very rich and very, very powerful. But the common people did not have the word of God. They had it in Latin. And this is when you get in this, in this country, you can go to the churches, the medieval churches, you can see the doom paintings all around because the word of God wasn't preached. It wasn't given. And you see these church ages going from 312 with Pergamon to 606. And then you've got Thyatira from 606 to 1520. And we know what happened in 1520 when a man, a little German monk, called Martin Luther, had a revelation in a tower. They call it the tower experience, where he was struck by lightning, and he gets the verse out of Romans, you are saved by faith and not by works. And he got that revelation, and he knew if he put that, what his theses with his his 90-odd points, 96 points on, and he nailed it to the door of, of, of a church, he knew that was his death sentence. But you know what? The word of God came back into the church by the printing press. And people like Whitcliffe, you know, the New King James, well, the King James Bible was, was printed. And Whitcliffe died for it. He was burnt for this. And then other people picked it up. And persecution came on the people like we have never known before. But great persecution is coming like we've never seen before. And then from 1520, we move into the Sardis Age to 1750, which is all about John Wesley and the Wesley brothers, where, where they, we saw huge revival going on in the UK. From that time on, huge revival. And his biggest open-air meeting during the weekday was where? Sheffield. Paradise Square. That was his biggest open-air meeting. He didn't fulfil the... the He didn't fulfill the full purposes of God. We will complete what he started. We will complete it. We will see this nation saved. We will see this nation completely undone for God. We will see a qualification now start happening that we go from the goat to the sheep. Our prayer is, Lord, take us from sheep to prince. Sheep to Prince Nation. That's what we've got to aim for. This is what I'm going for. And it will be with battle. It won't be without a fight. But I can't go to another country until my own backyard is fixed. We've got to fix it. And when we fixed our backyard, then we can work out. I, I, I don't want to see another stabbing where I have to bury a young man in this church at the age of 21 where I've taught him for seven years as a PE student. And he stabbed on his way to his girlfriend's house. What a waste of life. We have got to grasp something and run with this because it's bigger than ourselves. But then we go from, 15, from 1750 up until about 1919 with the Philadelphian age. And then we go from 1990 right down to what we know as the last age church, which is what? Lodian. You don't want to be in the Lodian church. 
And I want to explain a little bit about that. But those are the seven church ages as we know it. But, um, but Jesus tells us all about these seven church ages in chapter 13 of Matthew. He goes through all these seven church ages, one by one, in parables and parables and parables, until we get the last parable that has not been fulfilled. It's the parable of the dragnet. It's not been fulfilled. It's talking about a... Well, I'll come on to it. I don't want to preempt what I've got, but it's called the dragnet. It says once again... Sorry, Matthew 13, 47 and 48. This is the last parable. He has gone through six parables, and these are for the six church ages. And then he comes to the seventh. All the other six have happened. This one hasn't. You've got to listen to it. It says, Matthew 13, 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven. And when you see the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about the spirit realm. Not the kingdom of God, that's the physical. This kingdom of heaven is the spiritual. It's like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and caught all kinds of fishes. When it was full, the fishermen pulled upon the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fishing baskets and threw the bad away. What's the sea represent? You should know this. The sea of humanity. What do the fish represent? People. Because God is going to throw in, this is from the Spirit, God is going to cast out a net that is going to capture every kind of fish. Every kind of fish. And he's going to drag it in. Who's going to drag it in? We are. We are going to drag it in. And it's going to capture every kind of fish. But I want this fish, the United Kingdom, to be in that net. That's my heart. And then they sort it out. The angels that will work with us. We're having a myriad of angels that are going to come and work with us. And these angels have been prepared for this time. They've not been released yet. When Sadhu comes in here, into this place, and he says... And he prophesies, you know, that there are going to be an armory of angels bringing in weapons of war and weapons that we need. They've never been released until this time. And it's our job to then go in the spirit and say, Lord, what weapons are you bringing to us? And how do we use them? We have to have instruction from the Lord. And do you know what's going to first happen? There's going to be a healing revival. There's going to be healing reviving a nation. And we will not fall in love with the ministry. If you, if, I'm, I'm telling you now, I have seen this, I've had dreams about it that have stuck with me where I've seen people that are more interested about getting the guitars tuned up and getting the piano played nicely and polished inside of getting into the crowd and healing the sick. And they're going to miss it. I jump back on the stage and the guy's saying, right, we're ready to go. And I said, too late, you've missed it. Too late, you've missed it. Do not allow ministry to become greater than the foundation that we stand on. But you know, there are... To illustrate this this parable of the dragnet, I want to give you two principles um, that the Lord did. Do you know that at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, he said to uh, Peter, come on, Peter, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. But there were two instances 
One at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and one at the end. When the first one he said, he came across the disciples. And we know the story. He said that they'd been fishing all night. Been fishing all night. And they were knackered. They were tired. They were in a different frame of mind. And so when a guy comes along and says, hey, have you not caught anything yet? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, just cast your net on the other, on the other side. You can tell what, what I would say <laughs> after working all night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which part of the off don't you understand? You know, and yet the disciples knew that there was something about this man. Because this was at the beginning of his ministry. This wasn't halfway through. This was at the beginning. And in faith, they got their nets and threw them over the side. And look what happens. Just turn with me. I'm just going to come. Luke 5, verse 4 to 7. Luke 5, verses 4 to 7. I want you to see this because this is the word of God that God is speaking to a bunch of people. That's you and me. And I haven't even got into the meat of what I want to bring. You ready? Luke 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so. So this is the faith. Have you got faith for this? This is what the Lord is challenging us. Have you got faith that I'm going to do this through you? And just like Peter, we have to get our nets, throw them over, and say, Lord, okay, let your will be done, not mine. And because you say, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So that they signaled their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Listen, this is the first catch. The nets almost broke and the boats almost sunk. It's prophetically telling us that at the beginning of the age, of the first church age, in Jesus' time, there was a huge catch. And right the way through the six church ages, are you listening to me? The nets broke, and the boat almost sunk. We almost lost what the Lord started at the beginning of his ministry. Do you understand that? The church hasn't got it. The church hasn't got the answer. He has. But he's been looking through the seven church ages for a body of people that are undone for him and are about kingdom business. I'm about the Father's business. I don't know about you, but I'm about his business. I'm not about bushfire business. I'm not about another ministry's business. I'm about the Father's business. And that is just the same that you are. You're about, not, I don't want you to be about bushfire. You will go out from this place and you will come back to this place because this is where you will be fed and you don't know what you're going to be fed. I've had a glimpse of what we're going to be fed. But you'll come back. But you'll go out to represent not bushfire, but the kingdom. You'll go out to represent the king. You'll go out and you will do great exploits for him. Great exploits for him.
So now we see John 21. This is the second time he went to the disciples. These are only the two times that we know in the Bible. He could have done this a hundred times, but there's only twice. And this is at the end of his ministry. This is when he has been crucified. He died, and then he rose again. And he's walking along the beach. He's, he's bushfired and uh, lit a fire on the beach. Bushcraft, and he's lit this fire. Sorry, bushfire. He bush, bushcrafted his, you know, he got his flint out, and he got his kindling out, and, and he lit a fire. And he watched the disciples again who had gone back to their professions. They thought it was all over. They thought it was all done. And then Jesus walks on the beach and he says, Hey guys, you've been working again all night. We didn't recognize him just then. And he said in John 21 verse 5 to 11, He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No. I bet there was a bit more added to that. They answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side, not on the other side, on the right side. What does the right hand of God signify prophetically? It's the right hand of God. What does it represent? Authority and power. It's the right hand of God. Speaks about authority and power. And you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So here we have a prophetic picture. There is going to be a net cast into the world. And it's going to be huge that we can't do it ourselves. We need each other. Because look what happens next. Therefore that the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. He has a revelation. There's going to be a new revelation of who he is. He isn't going to be the lamb that laid down his life. He is going to be the Lord, Jesus Christ, returning as a king. And we're going to have a revelation of light that we have never seen before. Now when Peter, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. You've got to get yourself into it. Peter threw himself into it all. He said, this is prophetically saying, Lord, I'm in it for you. I'm in it. You know, what person would put on their outer garments? What does the outer garment signify to us prophetically? The Holy Spirit. Peter put on his garment. Most people would strip off their garments if they were going to plunge into the sea. Peter put it on. It's prophetically saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to take you into the sea of humanity. And watch what happens. Where did Peter go to? He went to Jesus, plunged in the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from lands, about 200 cubits. 200, about, it's all prophetic. It is just so prophetic in all of us. I'll let you work that one out. Dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they come to land, they saw a fire and coals on it, and the, the fish laid on it, and bread. See, we're going to have things that we've never experienced before because the Lord is going to prepare it. See what I mean now about the Lord has plans prepared that he wants to accomplish, that he wants to do, and it's his making that is going to be able to help us do it. And he is going to feed us what we need for this hour. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full 
of large fish, 153. I'm going to go in the Spirit. I'm going to find out, because whenever you see a number or colour or something that's mentioned, you know, two or three times, you've got to pay attention to it. Why 153? Why not 224? Why not 1,150? But why this number? Why this number of 153? But here is the word I want you to look at. This is at the final end of God's, of Jesus' ministry. But even with so many, the net was not torn. There you go. It's talking about prophetically. This end, there's going to be an end time generation, you and me, that is going to see the biggest net that the Lord has thrown down to bring in a sea of humanity. And many, many, many will be saved. Many will come up. Could the 153 signify not just the fish, but the fish of those nations? Can you imagine if 153 nations were saved for the Lord? There are, there are going to be more people in heaven by the time this is all finished than there are in hell. Do you realise that? Throughout the whole of humanity, there are going to be more, there are more people living now than have ever lived before. If you added up all the generations up until now, we've got 7 billion people on this earth. It's never happened. 7.4. Thank you. 7.4 billion. But there are going to be more, more people in heaven than there are that's going to be lost. I love what we watched last week with Reinhard Bonnke. He said that every time he came to the microphone, he said, Lord, I'm going to put a plug into the, the plug of, of hell and I'm going to stop them flowing down and I'm going to bring them to heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want. Every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every. And it's just on the horizon. See, the first church throughout the six church ages almost lost this catch but there's going to be a church age that will not lose this catch. Do you see what it's saying prophetically? Do you get this? Do you want to be involved in it? So start mending your nets. Start polishing that boat. Start working really hard and be in faith. Just say, Lord, I give you my net. I'm going to cast it in on the right-hand side and see what you do. This is it. It's not on a person. It's not on a man. It's not on a woman. I love Brother Sadhu. I love Neville. But they were men. They still are men. Because I've got a God that I'm going to look to. My God is huge. He is strong. And he is for me and not against me. But I want to talk about a Pacific church. Now, when I mention the Philadelphian church, I'm not so mentioning a church. I'm mentioning a people. Right? I want you, whenever you see the word or hear the word church, it's not church, it's a body of people. Because the Lord showed me something that I've never seen before. As I was preparing this message, he showed me a few things I've never seen before. And I'm just bringing them to you in this absolute rawness. There's going to be a flow of evangelism like the nations have never seen before. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to come on a group of people 
who have what? When Jesus is addressing the seven churches, what does he tell them to do? Overcome. He tells them to overcome. What? Whatever you've got to overcome. That's simple. If it's the things of this world, if you've got a fear of the things of this world, you haven't overcome. You've got to, have, you've got to overcome. I've overcome. I don't, if I lose my life, guess what? I gain it. I've already, I've already purposed within my heart. So is my son and so is my wife. We've purposed within our hearts. If we lose our lives, guess what? I'll just see Jesus quicker. But I want to have a revelation of Jesus now on earth. I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what I want to see. How many people want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? And it says that he will mount me on a rock in the presence of my enemies and he will anoint my head. And that will overflow. See, I don't want people to drink out of my cup. I want people to drink out of the overflow of my saucer. You understand? There is an anointing coming on earth as it is in heaven. You see, there is an outpouring. I didn't ask you to do that. Why did it do that? Technology. Revelation 14. Verse 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. To every nation, to every tribe, tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who had made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the spring water. So there are angels that are going to be assigned to us to go to nations where the gospel will be preached because the gospel hasn't been preached to all nations. But a body of people are going to take this gospel to all nations and every tongue and every tribe. Whole nations. Just jump with me to verse 14 of of Revelation 14. It's one of my favourite passages, my favourite chapters Then I looked and behold a white cloud on the sat sat the one like the son of man having his head a golden crown having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe so he that sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. There is a body of people that the Lord is going to anoint. Just read Revelation 14. I'm going to bring a lot of this in the Brisbane conference. But you know, the 144,000 that you see in Revelation 14 says twice, twice, before we get to these verses, twice, they were redeemed from where? The 12 tribes of Israel? No. Twice it says they were redeemed from man this is different to the revelation 7 144,000 that's all I can say you need to get the revelation for yourself because there's going to be a body of people that will do the greater works of John 14 12 we will do the greater works but we won't be bigger than our master 
We won't be bigger than Jesus. I want to be low so he can be higher. Don't you? Yep, I'm coming to that. It's a good day for the donkey. See, there's a great multitude, huge multitude. I wanted you to see this. Turn with me, Revelation chapter 7. I want you to see this for yourself. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of, say, all. All nations. Verse 9. Revelation 7, verse 9. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. So here we have John being taken up into heaven to see a future event where he's going to see, he couldn't, he couldn't count them, a multitude. What does a multitude mean? A lot. <laughs> a heck of a lot. A multitude of people from all nations, from all tongues, from all tribes and all peoples, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands. They're all saved. White clothes means signifies prophetically the righteousness of Jesus that has washed them clean. Do you realise how much of the how many how many nations, how many tribes, how many tongues of people that don't know the gospel? A lot. A lot of people. This is more people than do know the gospel. Let me tell you that. You just have to Heidi and I listen to Ray Comfort. Anybody know Ray Comfort? You know, the guy that goes on the street. Great. Hey? Yeah, Living Waters. Ray Comfort. And he is going into some of these American universities. So these people are, would say, are born in the West. And he's asking them, well, do you know what Jesus did for you? And, they, and the majority go, what? No. They do not know. Why don't they know about what Jesus did for them on the cross? Because it's not being taught in schools. That's why our, our children in schools are growing up to say all faiths are equal. And we don't want to tell you about the cross. We don't want to tell you about Jesus because that makes him more special than all the others. So we're not going to tell you. So if you go into any school and tell them about Jesus, they will look at you going, and if you talk about the cross, they haven't got a clue. They haven't got a clue. But I'm telling you now, our kids, we are going to get on fire and we will go into schools and we will see in a day whole schools come to the Lord. In an instant. And it's when your presence will walk into that school and not like Catherine Coleman, where all the lights flickered. All the engineers, when she came to do a filming of her programme, they said, we knew you in the building. Oh, how? Because all our instruments went ballistic because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that was on that woman. The lights would flicker. She walked, she would, she would be, there would be a, a link from the hotel to where they were doing the filming. And she would, the, the way that she would get through it, in the link, would go through the, the kitchen. And as she walked through the kitchen, all the, the chefs and all the waiters would just fall under the power of the Spirit and they'd all fall over. I'm not having somebody catch them. You know that, I will not have people being caught in this church. 
Yeah, because if the Holy Spirit takes a person from there to that back row, he's going to look after them. That's the way it should be done. Are you still with me? Do you still love me? Because I haven't... So there's going to be a multitude of when this starts happening. When's it going to happen? We're living in the age. This is the power of the age. Not to come. It's the power of the age for this church age. We're going to usher in another church age after this. And what's it going to look like? Well, just read the book of Revelation of the thousand-year reign of Christ. That's going to be the next church age. This is the power of this church age. We're going to step with the physical... Some of us are going to step with a physical body from this realm into the next. I've been born for this. Have you? Have you been born for such a time as this? Absolutely. This is the age of Philadelphia. I want you to turn Revelation 3, chapter 3, verse 7. I want you to see the the church of Philadelphia because you cannot miss this. You cannot miss this. And I want you to see. Can you give me a little bit more time? Yeah? Is that all right? I don't want to overstretch you. I don't want to make you bored and (gasps) fall asleep. Good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. But I want you to see this because this this is about to happen to us. This is about to happen to a remnant company of people. I promise you. Chapter 7. Uh, chapter 3 of verse 7. These are the words to him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one shuts, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall at your feet and acknowledge that you love that I love you. That's incredible. This this is about Psalm twenty seven, where he will lift me up on the rock and he will anoint me in the presence of my enemies. This is what this, these verses are talking about. A body of people, we won't have an enemy. They'll hate us, they'll want to kill us, but they can't touch us. I'm going to show you something. They can't touch you. When you are on the throne, when you are on the altar of God, and you're saying, God, I'm undone, just take more out of me. Just rip me apart. Lord, just do whatever you want. I don't want this flesh. I want more of you on this flesh. And you stay on that altar. You cannot be touched. Every demonic entity that's out there cannot touch you because you're his. And when you come off there, there might be... As I am 91 kilograms, there might be that, but I might only have five kilograms of flesh, but they're his. It's his. Well, what have I been embarrassed about? I'm his. I'm his. So are you. Right, now listen to this. Who is the synagogue of Satan? It's those pretending. How do wolves become, how do wolves overcome the sheep? Pretend to be sheep. These are the religious. The spirit of, of, of this religious spirit that's going to be released like we've never seen it before. They're going to hate us. They're going to hate us. They're going to kill like never. 
the great tribulation like we have never seen before. They are going to kill millions and millions and millions and millions of born-again Christians who love the Lord. They love the Lamb. They love the Lord. But they're going to get a crown. The martyr's crown. And they're going to rule and reign with him and minister to him where? In the Holy of Holies. And they're going to walk this earth for a thousand years. It's a great thing to be a martyr for Christ. We've got to teach this. We've got to preach it. It's a great thing to be martyred for him. So if you lose your life, guess what? You get a crown. You get a crown. Verse 10. Since you have kept my command and endured patiently, I will... You should recite this verse and put this verse into your heart. Since you have kept my command and endured patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of earth. I am coming soon. This is what the Lord is saying. I am coming soon. Prepare your hearts. Prepare yourselves because I am coming soon. And I'm telling you now, the Lord Jesus is going to come to a body of people before he comes for a body of people. It's the Feast of Tabernacles, where he will tabernacle inside a body of people like never before. So when they look at you, they won't see you, but they'll see the Jesus in you. <gasps> Isn't that wonderful? Don't you want that? Don't you? I don't want them to see Andy Tiplady. I want to see the Jesus. I want them to see the Jesus that is in Andy Tiplady. That's different. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. Oh, yes, Lord. The one who is victorious. I will make a pillar in my temple. The temple of God. Never again will they leave it. I will write their name. Them a name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down over heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. For, for Heidi, will, I used to see this guy in the Spirit walk in to the church, in meetings, in different places. And he, I called him the scribe. And I kept on seeing him. I've seen him here, I don't know, about 30 times. And he would walk in like a physical person. And I'd see that, and I knew that he was from heaven, but he looked like a dirty scribe. He had ink stains. He had a gown on him that was dirty with ink, and he looked just like a, an old monk that had been writing. And I watched him take into... He'd open up his big gown, and he would dip in, and he'd bring out a, like, um, a scroll. And then he would just write down. I just see him going over to people like this. And he just stand by them and just start writing down recording. And I said, Lord, what is this? For, 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 I kept on saying to Heidi, I don't quite get it, Heidi, but I'm seeing this guy and this is what he's doing. And then suddenly I saw it, the great white throne. What happens? The books are brought out. There are angels, there are people being assigned recording your, your decision. Yeah, this is what he said. I didn't say that, Lord. Here he is in the book this, on this day. And you recorded it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Here's recording. And guess what else he did? He would mark them. He'd give them a mark 
That's the only mark I want on my forehead and my forearm is the mark of the Lord. The world can accept the mark of the beast, but I've got his mark on my forehead and on my forearm. Have you? And I'll tell you now, he has marked most of you. I've seen him walk in and mark most of you throughout the last three or four years. That's what he's been doing. He's back in again. <laughs> you talk about it and he walks in. He's just walked in the room. He's just walked in the room. I know what he's doing. I don't want to distract from that, so I'm going to let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. It's on. It's not on here. No, just, re- just record no, it. just stand next to you. It's fine. It's from Malachi, and it's in chapter 3. Let me stand near you. Um, sorry, my eyes. Chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Well, well, there you have it in the word. I think the Lord really wanted to qualify what is happening right now. The Lord is marking a few of you. Not you guys, but he's marking a few more that the Lord has brought here today to hear this. And he's marking them. There's a load of angels that have come with them. Oh, the Lord is here. The Lord is giving each and every one of us things that we will need for now not for tomorrow for now and the word is bread he is giving us our daily bread he is giving us what we need for today and what the Lord is saying is that he will can you remember about the, the fish that was being prepared in the last catching of the, of the 153 he prepared fish and what bread this is the bread he is giving us bread for today and he will keep giving us the bread every day till his return do you want it it's here I'm telling you it is here so I rebuke this cancer in Jesus name it will not touch our bodies but evil men come advance against me to devour my flesh I tell you now stumble and fall stumble and fall This is the way that we've got to be. Got to take it. Got to be violent. Got to rip it out. It's got no... This, this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides here. He has never left me. He is always with me. So when we have an illegal trespass, guess what we have to do? Kick him out. Blow them out. Get the double barrel, the side, the top, whatever, and blow them out. It's a legal trespass. This is going to be a revelation 
on coming to the church, coming to you, coming to me, like we've never seen before. I don't want to read another book. I want the books that are in heaven, written about me, telling me what I am going to be doing, that have already been predestined. I want to see the heel recover. I want to see diseases drop off people. I want to see the blind see. Why? Because that's what the Father wants. He wants that more than we want it. I can't watch another child, another program on television that talks about a child that has been given no hope and is dying. And we get the tissues out. But Jesus weeps even harder because he's waiting for a body of people to drive out demons. To drive out demons. To cleanse the lepers. To heal the sick and to raise the dead. That young man who's 21 years old. I say this, I prophetically say this. That young man that we, we had the church service here, 21 years old. The Lord, the night before we had the, the, the funeral here, gave me a dream. You all know the dream where I saw him being raised. That man is going to come out of the grave. And he's going to preach about the time he spent in hell. That was real. And he is going to see a multitude of people come to the Lord. That's what I believe. In faith, because I'm throwing my net on that side. We know that Philadelphia means brotherly love. Love conquers everything. What's the first commandment? Love the Lord. So that's got to be the greatest gift that he can give to his people to love him more. I want to I go out, not with a th- but with a roar. With a roar. Hmm. Because I'm full of his love. Because I love him. And then verse 10, we see that word patience is used. And do you know what it means? That, that in, in, the, in the original um, Greek, patience, it means great endurance. The Philadelphian church... It's like we heard the testimony. You have to hang on sometimes. And with great endurance. And this is why there have been battles over some of us. I know some of your battles. <coughs> I know some of the things that, that, have, that, that have gone through and, and what some of you are going through. But you know what? We're going to come through this. We're going to come through this. I'm preaching faith into you. We're going to come through this. And the Lord is going to rise us up. I'm not worried about what these witches are doing in the woods. I, honestly, I'm not, I was, I've, I've walked the last two, walked at ridiculous hours where I can't see a thing in front of my face and all these witches are in there. You know, and just this week, you know, Heidi goes to the woods to walk the dogs with, with Joshua and we have in this village the Dance of the Swords. You know? Now, I know it's tradition, but where's it come from? It's totally, totally pagan. Totally pagan. So it's no wonder we've got witches and warlocks and shapeshifters. Don't tell me there aren't shapeshifters. I've seen them. I've seen them. But I, you know what? Remember that guy, <laughs> the shapeshifter, that hissed at you? Remember? Really strange. And I've seen this guy a few times. I mean, Heidi and I were walking down and this guy starts just doing this. Heidi yeah and starts hissing at Heidi and just looking and I try to get in the, into his view like that what are you doing come on then 
Clara. And he looked straight through me. He was not intimidated. I wanted, I wanted to go up and absolutely, how dare you look at my wife like that? You know, I, I, you know he's, he's armed my fingers for war and my arm for battle. I'm going to just bring it forward. But this is it. I mean, this, this, I can't stop. This is what the Lord is. I'm a warrior. I want to take them on. But I'm going to take them on in the spirit. That's what the Lord has been teaching me. But he, you know, and he, and he hissed at us. And I've seen him, and he comes along trying to intimidate. I see him, I just laugh at him now. Who are you? Is this it? <laughs> Is that all you can do? Is that it? <laughs> You've got to laugh at him. But isn't that incredible? Because God makes a promise. I will keep you from this hour of trial. A thousand may fall at my left, ten thousand at my right. But it will not harm my house. I'll see arrows fly by day. Psalm 91. This is our psalm. He will hide me. He will shelter me in the tabernacle of his most high. He will hide me in his pavilion. Nothing can touch us. But he will keep us from this hour of trial. Do you want that? Say, Lord, I want it. Lord, because this is a choice. This is what I'm going to be bringing in Brisbane. This is a choice that we have. And we can either say yes or no to it. Or are we going to say, oh Lord, I'm going to fear if I lose my life. Well, get over it. But I'm making the choice. Lord, it says in your word that you'll keep me from this, this, this hour. We're in the last hour. We are prophetically in the last hour. You are going to see the greatest tribulation that the world has ever experienced. And the Lord says this, not me. The Lord says, if it were not for the sake of the elect, I've kept this hour short. For the sake of the elect. Don't tell me we're going to be raptured out. That's a lie. That is a demonic lie. That, and I stamp on that demon of doctrine of the rapture. There is going to be a rapture, but not like this. You tell me where God has taken us out as a fight. Lord, put me on the front line. Put me on the front line. Lord, I'll, I'll fight for you. But I'm not taking a step back. Yeah. 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 But also, 
Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I've got a really good friend who's, who believes in the rapture. Really good friend. And I say, back it up in scripture. I want to hear, you know, I've heard some great men. You know, I've heard Chuck Missler. You know, he believes that the church is going to be raptured. You know, well, and... He has been raptured. Well, he's gone. You know, he has been raptured up. But do you know what I mean? You know, I've heard some great... And I, and I don't fall out. I love Chuck Missler. Yeah. I'm just using Chuck Missler. I love that man's teaching. And just because he says one thing that I don't agree with doesn't mean I'm going to chuck everything else out. That's an immaturity. And the church is full of immature Christians. If we don't agree, agree to differ on that point. But let's recognise and start recognising that Jesus and each other. But I'm telling you now, this whole doctrine of, it's a doctrine of hell. Hell. But God is going to have a body of people that are going to be triumphant. You and me. A remnant. A remnant company. Because in the, in the day of Philadelphia, in John's day, Philadelphia was a gateway to vast territories. They majored on three major countries in, in, in John's day. The city was, defa- was founded for the deliberate purpose to evangelize the whole of that area with the Greek culture. With the Greek culture. With the Greek language. And when the Romans came along, they used the, the city exactly the same to evangelize in the Roman culture. And then we see... It opened up huge, vast um, doors to the, the, the eastern territories. But I tell you, it was subject to a lot of earthquakes. And I, I, I want to mention this because of what Jesus says. Remember, he says, I'll make you pillars in my house. Well, I want to explain what he's saying. But the, Philadelphia and Sardis, Sardis was completely destroyed by an earthquake in AD 60. And Tiberius, the Roman emperor, came and rebuilt it. And the, and the, the city of Philadelphia was exactly the same. So every time they would have an earthquake, people would run out of the city up into the hills and they would watch parts of the city collapse and, you know, because there was great fear. So what is God saying? He says, I will make you pillars. So when the shaking of the earth comes and there is going to be a huge shaking, God will have a body of people that will be like a pillar in his place. That won't be shaken. We won't be rocked. We won't be worried about what's happening outside because we know who we are in our God and who our God is in us. So, but we have a problem here. And this is the problem because historically the Philadelphian church age has finished. Sorry, I said it finished about 1990. It didn't. 1909, just after the Welsh Revival and Azusa Street the Philadelphian age finished, and then we've gone from 1909 to our present day of the Lacedaemonian church age. But there's an overlap. But prophetically, what I want to say is there are still 
types of all these seven churches. There's types of Smyrna, which was the persecuted church. We've got the types of Ephesus, which was the loveless church. We've got types of these churches. But, you know, like the church that is now um, in Syria, you know, and Iraq, and places like India and Pakistan, they're being persecuted like we have never seen before. Yeah, Eritrea, absolutely. The church has been persecuted. This is the type of Smyrna church. Because the people in Smyrna lost over 40,000 people in the city of Smyrna, lost their lives. 40,000 by the, by the, the emperor, um, the Roman Empire that reigned for 10 years. You know, there was great persecution. Smyrna, do you know what Smyrna means? It means myrrh. It's a type of perfume that was produced in the city for what? Burial. Burial. Incredible, that, isn't it? So prophetically, even their name was prophetic. But there are types of these churches scattered around the world. But there are also types of these people scattered around the world. You have a choice today of what type of person that you are. And I'm going to say this. I'll say this in this church. You know, <clears throat> I want to be a, a Philadelphian type of person. Don't you? But what happens if, if I was a Philadelphian type of person sat in a Lodian church? You've got to come out. What happens if you're a Philadelphian type of person sat in a Smyrna church? Get out. What happens if you're a... Philadelphian type person sat in a Ephesus church, the loveless church. Get out. Get out. But what are the promise? The promise that we've seen one of the promises, he'll keep us from this hour of trouble. He also says, I will give you a new name. Don't you want a new name? Be marked by the Lord. This is your new name. This is what I want to do. I want to be known as the faithful church. But I do not... See, the Lodian church, one of the things they didn't recognize... Now, listen to me. This is what the Lord spoke to me about. The Lodian church, we always think that they're, they're lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. But that isn't what the Lord is saying here. They didn't recognize the time and season they were in. Do you understand that? They prophetically... Because hot means... You give somebody a hot drink when? When it's cold. <coughs> so when do you give somebody a cold drink? When it's hot. And this is what the Lord is saying. They don't know the season that they're in. They prophetically haven't got a clue what season they're in. They don't know whether it's hot or cold. So they're lukewarm. And the majority of these people are going to lose their lives. I don't say that in a... I'll only go to people who want this message. You know, and my diary is pretty empty. But I'll only go where the Lord wants me to go. I'm not going to go ring up and say, oh, I'm Andy Tiplady from Bushfire Ministries. You know, I've got a few dates in my diary. Do you want? No. Thank God. God has healed me of that. God has completely delivered me of that. I will only go where the Lord tells me to go. So I'm going down to a church in January that know nothing about the end times because they want qualification. They want to go from a lukewarm church 
to a raging hot church, recognising the times and the seasons and preparing their people for what's coming in London. Please pray for me. Oh, crikey. On the couch. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, got to, we've got to destroy some sacred cows. But he also said something. I want you to listen to me. This is the crux of the message. He also said to them, I'm going to give you something. What was he going to give them? Can you remember? A new name? What was the other thing he was going to give them? A crown. crown? Something else as well. I've got it in my pocket. A key. He said he was going to give them the key of David. Oh, yes. What is the key of David? What is the key of David? Where you can shut a door that no one can open, and you can open a door that no one can close. The key of David. So whatever you open, it can never be shut. Not by the gates of hell. It cannot be shut. And whatever you close will not be opened. So when you deliver somebody of a demonic, boom, that door is shut. That's it. And when you open the door and give them the freedom and release that prisoner, they are going to be free. And no demonic entity can come against it and try and shut it. Do you see what I mean? I'm trying to put it into simple language, but it's so much bigger than that. You see, the healer revival is just a small part of it. It's minute. It's small. But the key of David is so much bigger. So much bigger. So he says in in Isaiah 22, I'm almost there. Hang in. 22, verse 21. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one will shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. And I will fasten him. Listen, listen. When this world goes dark and it starts rocking and trembling and with earthquakes and everything, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. Where's that sure place? The tabernacle of the Most High. Psalm 91. And he shall be for the glorious throne to his father's house. So what's he saying here? The the key of David is three things. Do you want to know them? Do you want to know the three things? That will unlock its power, its authority, and its access to the throne room of God. Heidi is practicing to opening up doors that will not be shut on a Wednesday. She is gonna, when she asks people to start joining her, only she will know the time that is right to start asking people to come and join her. She is opening up a door that will not be shut of praise and worship. We will enter into his courts with what? Thanksgiving and prayers. Praise. But there is so much power and authority that will be on a bunch of people that you will have... The distraction of a puppy walking along, and it will, you won't even know it's there. But no, you will have a, an authority to, to change weather patterns. You will see hurricanes coming to you, the city, and you will say, move to the right, and it will move over to the right. You will change weather patterns. There is such an, an anointing that what you speak will happen. So God has got to be in control of that tongue. 
God has got to be in control of that tongue. If you've got a tongue of gossip, disqualified. If you've got a, go- a, a tongue that says horrible things about other people, disqualified. If you've got a, a, a tongue that is just vile when you, when you walk out of the church, disqualified. If you can't say a nice thing to your wife or your spouse or your children, disqualified. I'm not just talking about, you know, a mistake where you have to go and say, I'm sorry for that. I've had one of those this week. <laughs> to Heidi, you know what they say, don't fall out at Christmas. Boris Johnson told us, don't do this. And, just a few seconds. And, but anyway, it's all gone. But don't you want access? Don't you want access to a throne room? Don't you want to, this is what I'm going to get, we're going to remove this off you. That you're going to start moving in the spirit like you've never done before. You're going to have understanding of moving in the spirit. You know, because this bunch of people, I've got to be careful, I can't say too much, but this bunch of people will learn how to move like Philip did. They will go to the persecuted church. They will go to a bunch of people. They will be taken by the Lord in the spirit. But in the physical, you'll walk into a place. And they will see you. And the Lord, and you, the Lord will tell you what you've got to do to that bunch of people. You will open up prison cells. And you will walk them past guards that won't see them. You'll be put on assignments like never before. You'll go to a pocket of people who are meant to be the bride of Christ, but they're in prison cells, they're in persecution, they're in all these things, and you will release them. And then you will teach them the things of the Lord. Don't you want that? It's a remnant company of people. And I love this thing about remnants. Have a look in Isaiah 20, uh, Isaiah 10, verse 21. The remnant will return to the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God, and through your people, O Israel, be the sand of the sea. The remnant of them will return, and the destruction decreed shall overflow with righteousness. That's Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah 10. Isaiah 10. There's a, see, God has a remnant. You can look right the way through the Bible, and God always has a remnant. Always. Just as the devil will always have his man waiting in the, in the wings. Always, throughout the whole of history. Don't tell me Stalin wasn't a type of antichrist. Stalin was responsible for killing not just over 20 million of other people, but 20 million of his own people. Millions and millions and millions. He was a type of antichrist, ready to come on the scene. When Churchill, when the Second World War finished, Churchill said two things. The first thing is, he said that we've got, a, uh, we've got two bodies of people that are going to be um, our biggest threat. Do you know what they were? This is Churchill speaking in 1945. He said, communism. Do you know what the other one was? I'll just turn off the... ...1945. Those are the two biggest threats that the world will have, is those two things. But God has a remnant for these last days. See, in Matthew 16, I, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to bind this and put the whole foundation in Scripture. This is really important because this has to be reversed. This will be reversed by a bunch of people, what the Lord is going to say in these verses. It's going to be reversed because 
Genesis 6, and you will have to read Genesis 6, Genesis 6 is going to have to be stopped. You, read, you need to read Genesis 6. This is when Jesus is with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi on Mount Hermon. And uh, Simon Peter is just recognized when he says, who do people say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the son of God. You're the son of God. And he says, this hasn't been given to you, you know, son of Jonah. This has been given to you by the Spirit. And he says, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. I tell you, I tell you that you are Peter. So he's pointing to Peter. You are Peter. That's the new name that he gave Simon Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That sounds pretty similar about the keys of David, doesn't it? Whatever you lock. What's he saying here? I want you to get this. Please, I'm not boring you, am I? Honestly, I don't want to, I'd rather step back. You know, I'll just have this as my own little revelation and keep it to myself. But what's Jesus saying here? Because you've got to look at where he was. Mount Hermon. What happened in Mount Hermon? Genesis 6 is where the fallen angels came. It's a portal. It's a portal for the demonic. And what we have from the fallen angels is what? Nephilim. The Nephilim. We're going to contend with the Nephilim like we've never... Absolutely, I've read it. Yeah, the, the guy that the English teacher and who wrote in a very, very good book of the Book of Enoch. I strongly recommend you read it. But we're going to have to contend with this. What did John see? They had hair like a woman, teeth like a lion. They had a tail like a scorpion. We haven't seen these sort of things. People say it's helicopters. It isn't helicopters. It's not helicopters. <clears throat> what the Lord has armed me for. This is the battle that I'm going to get into. And we're going to train warriors up, men up and women up to fight these people, to fight these spirits. And we will cut their heads off. And people laugh at me. You don't. This is deadly serious. One of these come knocking on your door. They won't knock on the front door. They'll come through it. And you will have to have a revelation, just like David did, just like Joshua and Caleb and the mighty men of how to kill them. No one's coming through my door. I'm serious. There are going to be a body of people that will have a revelation, that the same revelation that the mighty men of valor of David, his three and his thirty, and Ben and I, his head of his bodyguard, they had a revelation. How can one man stand in one place and, and slaughter two, three thousand Philistines? How can, how can they do it? They have the spirit of power and might on them. This is what's coming to us. Isaiah 11 verse 2. The sevenfold spirit of God. It's coming on a body of people with such authority and such power. And where will we get it? When we have access to the throne room. The kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus is talking about this portal. We're going to shut it. But guess what? All of devil's hordes have been thrown down onto the earth by this time. All of the second heavens will be clear. And where are they coming? Here. We're going to learn how to fight. 
They're going to come on the earth. They're going to come on the earth. But what Jesus is saying here, he isn't talking to Peter, and upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church. He didn't say that. He said, upon this rock. It's an inverted noun. He said, on this rock, the rock, me, Peter, me, on this rock I will build my church. The foundations can only be built on Jesus. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't that incredible? This is why we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing. Hang on a sec, June. I'll come to you in a sec. So it's really, really important. But this is what's going to start happening. Isaiah 25, verse 7. And he will destroy on this mountain. See? (laughs) On this mountain. The face of the covering cast over people and the veil that is spread over all nations there is going to be a body of people that are going to take that veil off. People and nations. Do you want to be part of that body of people? Do you want to go into schools and see the veil lifted off? Do you want to go into universities and see thousands? You know, we're going to see, we're not going to be able to cope. We have to be organized with what is coming. What is coming? We won't have time. these, These people off the streets from the hedgerows and from the byways and highways, they're going to get a revelation like we have never seen before. We won't spend hours having to talk them through their problems and their whatever. They're going to get over it. You don't need a council. We should... It's my bugbear. He's done it all for me. I'm free. Whatever has happened to me, isn't going to, all the rubbish that happened to me in my past doesn't deter me from stepping into Amen. what he has done. That's it. I'm not going to let my past hinder my future. Amen. So I'm sorry if somebody has done some really rotten and horrible things to you. They did it to me. But they did it to our Lord first. Yeah. We just got to get over it. Yeah. He is my story. Can I say something? Yeah. Yeah. And you couldn't see the floor in any room, everywhere. And it was the moment that you know you've learnt something. It was said, I said, devil, is that the best you can do? Yeah. And so we know when the police came, we waited a couple of hours. They said, oh, you, you know, we can offer you counselling. I said, why? We're just clearing up and going to bed. He, they can't touch me. There's nothing they can do. They can't take anything from me. Because I have him. They can't take him. And there's nothing. And yeah, they took stuff. They didn't take actually anything from me personally because I don't own anything worth having, fortunately. But it was, it, was a, it was a moment when I realized I've changed. I've got it. I didn't panic. I just, and it was a mess. Two hours of clearing up. But what they didn't touch, I have a drawer with, you know, Bibles and Word of God and tracts, they never touched that. <laughs> everything else, they pulled everything else. The whole house was totally devastated. It didn't matter. <clears throat> you know, and I looked at all this stuff and I said, what am I doing with this stuff? It doesn't mean anything. No, it the only thing it means is it's outside of me and it can't touch me and it doesn't define me. Amen. And they said, how can you go to sleep when someone's been through your bed? 
and lifted up the bed. And I said, they can't touch me. What does it mean? What does it mean? Nothing. For us, it's just him. It's Amen. him. If we've overcome, we've overcome everything. And we just laughed. We went to bed and we laughed and we said, hallelujah. He's our king. Amen. Amen. June, do you want to say something? Richard, can you just tell that to June? fighting mode and mostly you are in fighting mode and it said and this is from psalm um, they've done answers to this actually psalm 118 in my anguish i cried to the lord and he answered by setting me free which is awesome the lord is with me i will not be afraid what can man do to me the lord is with me he is my helper i look in triumph on my enemies and then it goes on it is better to trust take refuge in the lord than trust in man it is better to take refuge in the lord than trust in princes all the nations surround me but in the name of the lord i cut them off and we did a, a wonderful dance where we got swords yep. off yep. and it goes down it because it he said uh on every, on, they surrounded me on every side, but on the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. It doesn't matter what situation we find ourselves, in the name of the yeah. Lord, we are victorious. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, that's the truth. Now, I'm going to finish. I've got a few more other things, but I want to finish. I know that I've kept you... But listen, folks, you know, when this veil comes off us, we're going to have an access into the throne room. I don't say that flippantly. This isn't like go in there and high-five the Lord. That isn't what it's about. We'll go in there with trembling and fear. You know, but the Lord wants to teach us a few things. He wants to give us some revelation that we bring down. But this, when the veil starts coming off us, we'll be able to take it off other people's eyes. It's a spiritual veil that is over us, that's stopping us seeing into the spirit realm. It's stopping us walking and accessing the spirit realm. It stops us when we go, okay, Lord, I've, I've got to... We're going to be there. We're not going to have to fight it. We're just going to be there. And this is what the Lord wants to re- release off us. Because, because what he wants to do is release cities and nations and peoples. Don't you want to see this city released? Well, there's no prostitution, there's no drug trade, there's no this, there's no that. The pubs close, the nightclubs close. The churches are full of people wanting to hear the gospel of the kingdom. Don't we want this? Don't, so if, we've got, if we're blind, how can we release the blind? And we want to have a heart for what the Lord has a heart for. To see the captives released. To see the deaf hear, the blind see, the, the lame walk. I want to clear the hospitals out. I want to go to the morgue and just say, get up. <laughs> and then preach them. Don't you? That's right. I'm telling you, John, ten, uh, Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8 is going to come out. As you go, preach the good news of the kingdom is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. And we don't just mean just to go away for two weeks and do it. It's going to stick on us. And wherever we go, we're going to do it. Wherever we go. So I want you to stand.
I want you to stand. <clears throat> How many people have had... I, I just, the Lord told me that there will be a number of people that have trouble seeing the Spirit. Have trouble seeing, access the Spirit. How many people have got that? Have problems? The Lord told me there'll be a, quite a few here. Yep. Don't, it won't be. Are you ready? The Lord wants to re- re- remove that veil. So, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask you now to release the veil that is on the people's eyes. Take the veil that is on my eyes. Take the veil from the people's eyes. And Lord, we want to see, but the first thing we want to see is out of Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his temple. So Father, I ask you now to release us from the veil that's been on our eyes. Lord, release us. So, Lord, that we can have access into your throne room like never before. That we can inquire of you in your temple. That we can see your beautiful face. And, Lord, that we can tell all around us about it. That, Lord, we don't want to come into the throne room and boast about it. Lord, we want to come into your throne room so we can hear your voice. We can see your beautiful face. You can give your, us your instruction. And Lord, will you equip us now in this time? Will you arm us, Lord, with the things of that we need for this day? Will you give us more bread for tomorrow and every day until your return? And Lord, we ask for 2020 vision. We ask for 2020 vision. That this year will be a year of 2020 vision where we will see first into the Spirit with such a clarity, with 20-20 vision. And then, Lord, that we will have our eyes restored. Lord, our bodies cleansed. Our hearts pumping with a new sound and a new beat. Lord, I pray now, give us dreams like we've never had before. Give us visions, Lord, that we've never had before. Both closed and open visions, Lord. I pray that on us right now. Lord, give us throne room encounters. Lord, let us start having encounters in our homes, in our bedrooms, in our front living rooms, in our upper rooms, Lord, on our man caves, wherever it is, our prayer rooms. Lord, give us, give us help from your heavenly realm. Give us access into the kingdom of heaven like never before. Lord, and I pray now, let us start cooperating with your heavenly realm like never before. The angel of the Lord is going to show some of you who he wants healed and how he wants to do it. He will point to somebody and there will be like a, a notice over them and it will be so clear and you will just have to say, that person there in the red coat This is what the Lord says. And it won't be coming from you. It'll be coming because you've accessed that realm. So Lord, I pray now, will you seal this into us? This new mark. The marking, Lord, with your name on it. And Lord, remove every stumbling block that is in our way. The schemes of the enemy, the snares of the enemy. Lord, remove them. 
journey the Lord has not finished. He certainly hasn't finished with you. You will see a victory, a huge victory, where you will be lifted up in praise and worship to the King of Kings. You'll have access into that throne room and it'll be a suddenly. The Lord said it'll be a suddenly. And nothing of the demonic can remain on your body or in you. Nothing. So Father, as it says in John 1 verse 51, Lord, let it be as you walked with an open heaven. Let it be with us. Lord, that we walk with an open heaven so that wherever we go we'll preach the good news of the kingdom we will raise the dead we will cleanse the lepers we will drive out demons we will heal the sick and then Lord that we will teach others how to do it how to access that place that's in your throne room in your place in your heart we will access it not that we can write books about it but Lord that we can set the captives free And we can preach that the good news of the kingdom is here. Lord, I pray now for this wave of healing that is coming on the church, coming on a body of people. Healing. So I ask you now, Lord, to heal our bodies. Heal our bodies or whatever is is holding us back. We rebuke, and I just rebuke this illegal access on our bodies and I speak the goodness of the Lord into that body in the land of the living so Lord do it to us and all you have to do is say with your hands held out is here I am Lord here I am do it to me ask the Lord ask the Lord because he has prepared you for such a time as this. See, most churches today were closed. Did you know that? Most churches today were closed. But it's those that are hungry for this that the Lord will feed. And the Lord is going to feed you like you have never been fed before. And I wanted to do this today, not in the new year, We don't have to wait for a new day. It's today. It's today. But the Lord is going to do a new thing in a new way to a body of ordinary people. Because when he said to the disciples, see there's a donkey with a foal. When you find this donkey, then foal that have never been ridden, bring it to me. God has been looking for donkeys and foals that have never been ridden so that he can ride on us. That's a good day for the donkey. Because it's an army of ordinary people 
that have been tethered up for such a day as this, for the Lord's visitation. It's a good day for us. We have access. And from that access, we will have authority. Lord, I pray, Lord, let not our mouths run away with us. Lord, absolutely, let us have such a maturity of to speak only what we hear you say. To do only what we see you doing. Lord, I pray now, help us do that today. Today, Lord. And Lord, I just pray this onto the folk that I know that couldn't be here today. Couldn't be here. But Lord, they are with us in this. And I pray, Lord, touch them. They won't even know that we pray this, but they'll say, wow, something different's happened. Touch them, Lord. Lord, protect our children. Touch them, Lord, with this. Touch our future children and grandchildren. I don't know why I'm getting this, but I just feel that the Lord is going to say, I'm I'm going to qualify this, is that there is a a lady here that you're going to become a grandmother. Now, I don't know whether this is, you've just heard, for the first time you're going to be a grandmother, or it's going to come. But you're going to hear that there is, you're going to be a grandmother. And that's going to signify a new birth. A new birth. So thank you, Father. I thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will accomplish this. And Zechariah 4 says it's not by might and by power, but it's by your Spirit. And Lord, we thank you because, Lord, it says that, that this will be done with the five, the, the grace of God. This will be done through grace. And I thank you, Lord, for that grace that we have access now. But Lord, just like the menorah at this time of Hanukkah, Lord, that let us shine bright. Let us shine bright as this world gets darker and darker. And shine with the brightness of your presence. That, Lord, that we will see Isaiah 60 birthed. And in Daniel 11, verse 32, it says, For those that know their God shall carry out great exploits. And that word know is a Hebrew word that means intimacy. It's not a head knowledge, but it's a spirit heart knowledge that you will know him intimately. That will qualify you to do great exploits for him. So mighty men and women of valor, that's what the Lord is saying, mighty men and women of valor, I'm going to give you armor. I'm going to give you weapons of war from that spirit realm like you have never seen before. So thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this day.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him. Just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray, let this be just not just a new year, but let this be a new year full of you. Full of you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Pray this in. Pray it in. Seal it. Spend your time in that secret place with the Lord. Let him open up your eyes. And all you have to do is say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And you are a company of people of overcomers. Overcomers of the spirit of this world. Because the Lord is preparing you for the spirit of his world. God bless you. God keep you. Strengthen you. And may his blessings be upon you and your house. Amen. Amen. God bless you.